Welcome to episode 131 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church, uh, for Christ Church, and all who would care to listen in. Uh, my name is John Payne. I'm the senior minister of Christ Church Presbyterian, and I'm here with my uh, dear friend and uh, church member, Dr. Gabriel Williams, uh, my co-host. It's so good to be with you again, Gabe. It's good being with you again. We are approaching a new year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are moving from 2022 to 2023. Uh, I don't know about you, Gabe. When I was a kid, that sounded weird. Those dates, those those years, just sounded very odd back in the 1990s or exactly. 1980s. You know, um, but uh, here we are. We're we're moving into this new year, uh, and uh, also moving into our eighth year as a podcast. That's right. We started, I think, May of 2015. So yeah, we're around year eight at this point. Yeah. So we're. Um, uh, not always regular with the podcast, but uh, uh, doing what we can, when we can, and uh, hoping to be a little more regular in the new year. Uh, we are uh, producing uh, a few podcasts uh, here in the next week, and we're looking forward to uh, discussing some important issues, things that matter, things that count. That's right. Uh, and uh, we thought it would be quite appropriate uh, to talk about uh, New Year's resolutions and New Year's mm-hmm. commitments, since here we are uh, approaching uh, the new year. And uh, so, Gabe, uh, let's open up the discussion. Let's sure. talk about what's important for Christian believers uh, as it concerns uh, their Christian lives in the new year. Because, you know, every day as the sun rises, there's a fresh start. That's right. Uh, every time the calendar turns from one year to another, there's a fresh start. Now, I know there's uh, something uh, sort of psychological about about that with the calendars mm-hmm. and uh, and everything else, but but it's 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 an important time and it's it's a helpful thing to us, I think, as um, as sinful human beings uh, walking in the grace of God and uh, by uh, the promises of God uh, to have that changing of the calendar and that opportunity for a fresh start as it concerns the way we are living our lives, those regular patterns of mm-hmm. our lives, and when we think about those rhythms. Uh, of course, we think about the Lord's Day. That's right. The Lord's Day. And is there anything really more important for a Christian's piety than the observance of the Lord's Day, particularly as it concerns the gathering together with the people of God on the mm-hmm. day that the Lord Himself has sanctified, the day His Son rose from the dead, mm-hmm. uh, and, and God's people gathering around the very means that He has appointed for the life of his church, the preaching of the word, the sacraments, prayer, and the fellowship. Those things mentioned in Acts 2.42. Uh, mm-hmm. Gabe, uh, let's talk about that for a minute, the sure. importance of the observance of the Lord's Day and the gathering together with the people of God. Shouldn't every Christian recommit themselves to uh, this discipline? Absolutely correct. And the probably the best way to start this off and think about it is to consider the words in Jesus in Mark chapter 2, where Jesus says very clearly that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. But the verse before that is part of what we as Christians understand why the Sabbath was instituted. The Sabbath was instituted for man. It is for our benefit. It's for our nourishment and growth. It is the one time per week that we can set aside our ordinary affairs of business, of work, with the other home activities we do. And we actually have the privilege to come together as God's people to encourage one another. 
we have the responsibility in one sense to encourage one another as the New Testament commands us. But also it is something that is meant to be mutually encouraging. And you see this from the Apostle Paul himself discussing how he needs the encouragement of the saints as much as the saints need his own encouragements. And that's also true for those of us uh, in the church, that the person sitting next to you week after week, they need your consistency, they need your words of encouragement, and sometimes your words are challenging as much as they need it from you. The Apostle Paul encourages us to redeem the time. That's right. Uh, what better way can we redeem the time than to gather together on the day that, that God has appointed for Christians to gather in order to worship Him. And worship is first and foremost a receiving, and then it's a responding, isn't it? Mm -hmm. uh, we sometimes think that worship is, is simply us coming and giving praise and thanks to God and hearing some instruction or some motivational sort of uh, speech and then and then leaving, and that's not really the way we should view worship at all. Worship is covenant renewal. Mm -hmm. When we gather for worship on the Lord's day, the Lord, our covenant God, is communicating to us the person of His Son, the truth of His Son, through the means of preaching and sacraments. Mm -hmm. And so, when we gather together, we are first and foremost coming as weary pilgrims that need to be fed and nourished and strengthened and comforted in Christ. That's right. And so, if that's not a regular part of our week, then we will most certainly become uh, withered. We will wither in our spirituality. We will allow the world to begin to draw us away because the world is that powerful. It That's will right. draw us away unless we are engaging in that holy activity that the Lord has called us to. Doesn't he say, Gabe, in, in Hebrews, uh, that we ought not to neglect the gathering together of, of the people of God? That's right. And this is now for... Uh, more than the younger families in the church and you know over the past year we've had 13 new babies in the church over the past year and you know we all know that it's very difficult to make the transition to having a newborn and coming back to evening service and that means that uh, parents will have to be somewhat creative on how they are going to arrange their times so for example one way to consider this is to think that in each month try to commit at least one Sunday a month where you're able to come to evening service. Now, that may not always happen because of other things that go on. And let me say this, Gabe. Mm -hmm. If you're coming to all the services, don't don't reduce it to one. <laughs> That's <laughs> All of them are the goal, right? <laughs> exactly. But uh, just in case there's any confusion there, we want everyone always to come to all of them. But mm -hmm. what Gabe is saying is if you currently do not come to the evening worship because you believe mm -hmm. it's difficult, Commit to coming to one or two a month at the beginning and then move to every yeah. day, every course. And for some families, you may actually have the opportunity to um, basically alternate. So sometimes the father may stay home in the evening and the mother may come in the evening service and vice versa. But there are things that you can do uh, as young families to arrange the time. Sometimes what happens for young families is the idea that if you have a, a one-year-old or maybe even younger and you feel that everyone can't come to the service, then the idea is that no one should come to the service. And so part of the encouragement here is don't have a all-or-nothing sort of approach. And Gabe, uh, we are not sitting up in the ivory tower behind the <laughs> mic, right? We, we, we have been committed to this ourselves, and yeah. uh, it's hard 
It's hard uh, when 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 the kids are grumpy, when there are challenges, and and by the way, we understand, of course, that there are providential hindrances mm-hmm. to attending worship uh, in on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings That's at right. times, um, and uh, of course, but. What we're talking about here is that commitment, that conviction that this Mm -hmm. is the Lord's Day and we ought to be with God's people in the context of Lord's Day worship morning and evening. And Gabe, your family's been doing this from the from the beginning. Ever since I've known you, you've been committed to that. And again, you know, as Pastor John says, and as every young family knows, it is very hard when you have uh, very young children. So my youngest was born in this church. And so we had a period of time when she was, you know, basically three or four months old, where it was very difficult to get the feeding schedule right. It was very difficult just to get the sleeping schedule right. And so there was a time where we had to kind of take a break, figure out the actual schedule. But part of growing in the church is that you begin to wean your time to fit into what's happening in your church. So this is also part of what it means to be a committed and Part of being a member of a church means that you are committed to not just the, the not just the, the activities that happen outside of the typical Lord's Day, but finding out as much as you can, how can my own schedule in some way be adjusted so that I can best uh, serve the church that I'm, I'm currently in? Gabe, it's probably not an exaggeration that 10 to 15% of churches have evening worship anymore that's correct Um, very few pca churches have evening worship anymore even with our confession of faith which makes so clear the significance of the means of grace for the life of of the christian for the life of the christian family and for the life of the church in our tradition Mm -hmm. morning and evening worship has been standard uh, throughout the centuries. And it's from most Protestant traditions. And and from most Protestant traditions, that's right. So, really it was in the 1970s and 80s during the church growth movement mm. that the evening service began to fade away. Mm. And with, of course, the rise of modern commercialism, uh, the sports Sundays, both at the youth and professional levels, mm-hmm. uh, we have the disappearance of one of the most important meetings in the life of the church. Um, how how have you seen for your own family, Gabe, the, the the blessing of making morning and evening worship a priority in your family's lives? Uh, because there's a sense in which. I'm here because I'm the pastor, and whether I feel like coming or not, I'm going to be here, and uh, and I do want to be here. But but you know, of course, we all have those hard times or those struggles with the flesh and such. Um, but as a, a layperson, as someone who lives about forty minutes away, mm-hmm. how how has the evening worship been a blessing to you, to Alicia, and to the girls? Well, I'll first start with the girls first. And it's a blessing to say that uh, the girls have no other routine in mind of what they do ordinary on Sunday. And if we happen to go on vacation, you know, every so often, <laughs> um, the girls will be the first one to say it's odd not being in the church on Sunday evening. And they've that's the only thing they really know. But on a more basic level, I, I think one of the things I always think of in my mind about the church is that it's basically a garden 
in a sense. It's a garden where you have all of the frustrations of the world that's outside of you. When you go to work every single day, you have the frustrations of the world around you. You have the frustrations of your own sin. And then you have this you know, beautiful privilege to come together with God's people. It's like a garden that is well-kept, well-maintained. And so for me personally, it is a matter of knowing that when I'm coming uh, to church, I'm not... You know, this isn't one of those things where I'm just frustrated to be here because I have to be here. We purposely drive there because we love God's people and we want to be around God's people. In Douglasville, Georgia, where I previously pastored for 10 years, um, after about a year and a half, we instituted an evening worship service. Mm. And by doing so, uh, I, I knew that everyone wasn't going to come, mm-hmm. that uh, it was going to start out small and hoping that it would grow. Uh, I knew I was literally doubling my preparation for the mm-hmm. week. Uh, and uh, But it has served to be such a blessing. And, and our children, of course, uh, from their earliest days, it's all they know, just mm-hmm. like as, as you were saying, mm-hmm. all they know is morning and evening worship on the Lord's mm-hmm. day. And, and it's important to say this, isn't it? It's the Lord's day. Yeah. It's the not Sabbath the day, not <laughs> the Lord's morning mm-hmm. or the Lord's hour. And uh, that that also encourages us, doesn't it? Because uh, we we recognize that the day is filled with all kinds of good things, mm-hmm. not just the public worship services, which are the most important and most solemn occasions, as our mm-hmm. confession says. But we have Sunday school. That's right. Uh, I've been walking through the Westminster Larger Catechism. Uh, the children are being instructed. I know you've been teaching uh, the children's Sunday school yep. class, Gabe. And mm-hmm. what a blessing for those kids. I mean, to, to miss that is to miss so much. Uh, another thing is we have a prayer meeting at That's 8.50. Right. It's one of my favorite 30, 40 minutes of the week is mm-hmm. the congregational prayer meeting. And uh, while that's growing, it's still very small. And uh, what I would ask is, why not commit to being at the congregational prayer meeting? Why not commit to being at a Sunday school and bringing your children? Why not commit to morning and evening worship where you will gather together not just 52 times a year, but 104 times a year? That's Think right. of all that that means of grace that you'll get, uh, more preaching, more sacraments, more prayer. And, and I think it's pretty safe to say, Gabe, that the world has become more aggressive Well, yeah, <laughs> as it concerns uh, – the moral revolution. I mean, we see it all around us. So, do we need to gather together to hear less preaching or more preaching? <laughs> we clearly need more encouragement, not just from the word being preached and receiving the sacraments, but again, many of us have young children that we know what's out there. We know what's going on, say, in the public school sector. We know what's going on in society at large. And the question is, do you want your children to essentially be raised from the actual society's own dictates as they're trying to deliberately uh, move towards the minds of our children? Or do you want your children to be firmly rooted and firmly established in the church? So that would be the first thing that we would encourage our members at Christ Church Presbyterian uh, to consider for the new year is being committed to the observance of the Lord's Day. Set it apart as a day of Christian discipleship and fellowship. That's what Mm -hmm. God means for it to be. That's why he said in Exodus 20, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It's a rest from the ordinary things, work, uh, various hobbies. 
It's a rest in the Lord through fellowship. And so think of a wonderful Lord's Day, prayer meeting at 8.50, Sunday school at 9.30, morning worship at 10.30, perhaps having someone into your home for lunch and mm-hmm. encouraging one another, uh, maybe taking a walk, uh, maybe reading a good book, devotional book, and then going back for evening worship. Mm-hmm. What a wonderful day. Now, why mm-hmm. would you just limit that day to one service and that's it? Uh, for most, uh, it's because that's the habit and patterns you've gotten into. The new mm-hmm. year is a great time to start new habits and new patterns as it concerns Lord's Day observance. Mm-hmm. I also want to mention, Gabe, uh, that something we will often commit ourselves to is uh, the uh, reading of scripture and 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 uh, spending time in prayer personally, so the, the the so-called personal quiet time or uh, devotional life, and uh, it's important, isn't it, that we spend time alone with God in the closet, as it were. Uh, it's it's a way for us to to grow uh, in our understanding of scripture and in our fellowship and communion with God. Even our Lord Jesus Christ Himself. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And so there's our Lord Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. the Son of God, going out early in the morning to spend time with his Father in prayer. Now, if our Lord yeah, is committed right. to doing that, the one who is sinless, how much more we who still deal with indwelling sin and are being sanctified, how much more do we need to spend time with the Lord one-on-one? So I, I like the word spiritual devotions and because, it again, it, it's a statement of what you are intentionally choosing to spend your time with. But the other phrase that uh, disappears, and if you kind of look at Christian tradition, is that these are spiritual exercises. And that's because you should get into your mind that this requires a lot of labor and a lot of work. And we all know this from our own physical exercises. There are many days you do not want to work out, many days you don't want to do your run, but you do it anyway because you know the benefits of it after it's over. And you know that once you stop the actual habit, it's gonna be broken very quickly. We all know how hard it is to get back into working out if you take a month off. Now, that's even more so for your spiritual walk. I'm dealing with that right now, Gabe. Thanks for reminding me. (laughs) And we we all know this is true for our own spiritual devotion. If you take a week off, for instance, from going through the scriptures or staying in prayer, you know how hard it is to wake yourself back up to get yourself into there. Now, one of the things I always did uh, growing up, and this is something I've heard much over time, is that many people have done statistics on basically how many hours would it take to read through the Bible? And so depending upon who you find, you'll probably find something in the ballpark range of 65 to 80 hours if you just kind of read through the Bible straightforwardly. And then the question is, that sounds like a lot of time, but again, stress that out over a series of months. So for example, uh, I have a commute that's about one hour per day at minimum. So that basically means that I can listen to the Bible in my car in one semester just by going in the car, riding down 26 in traffic, and then listening to it. And then I know there's a number of people in the church who have the same sort of commute, whether you're going through towards downtown, going back home during rush hour. There are many ways to get the Word of God into yourself, whether it's by physically picking up the Bible in the morning, whether it's by listening to it on your uh, trip to work or back 
going from work back home. There are a lot of ways to do it. And one of the challenges of the modern era is to essentially figure out what is your highest ranking priority. Typically what happens is that we have so much flex time, whether in the car or doing other things that we tend to waste it. Whereas going back to the statement before, if you're redeeming your time, that means you're thinking of every moment that you have as something that you can improve, as the Puritans used to say. Having a strong devotional life is really about forming good habits, isn't it, That's Gabe? Right. And when we seek to form those habits, we want to put uh, regular things in place that will make it as easy as possible to continue in those habits. And so some of the things that, that I would encourage, and I've, I've encouraged uh, uh, the church over the years in, is you know, find, find a favorite chair, mm -hmm. keep your Bible in the same place as much as possible, and make an appointment with God. And so have that regular time fixed in your day. Now I know there will be variations to that and schedules change, I, I understand that, but as much as possible, keep that rhythm of the time and the place that will make it easier for you to continue in that habit. Another thing is that, um, along with Bible reading, uh, you know, spend time in prayer and pray about what you just read, mm -hmm. and then pray for yourself, pray for the church, and pray for the world, pray for the lost. Make these things a regular uh, commitment. Now, as far as time, uh, you may only have 10 minutes to spend with the Lord on mm -hmm. particular days. Other days you'll have longer. Some will have, because of their flexible schedules, an even longer time with the Lord. But uh, figure out how much time you can spend. Another thing is, Gabe, to, to add good reading. That's right. Uh, so there may be, uh, you may want to supplement your, your devotional life with uh, the reading of a biography or for instance, right now I'm reading a collection of sermons by John Murray that are just outstanding. Uh, you can add prayer books to your mm -hmm. uh, daily devotions, uh, The Valley of Vision uh, mm -hmm. that the Banner of Truth publishes, uh, or the new Be Thou My Vision, yeah. uh, the collection of, of prayers and sort of liturgies for personal worship um, put together by Johnny Gibson. Uh, so there are various supplements. You can have a Bible reading plan like McShane's Bible reading plan. Ligonier Ministries on their website has a wonderful yes. array of Bible reading plans that you could uh, choose. And all of these things are very helpful, I think, to get us on the way to, to renew our commitment to personal worship. And everyone who knows me knows that if you were going to ask me what book would I recommend that you read every year, it's going to be Pilgrim's Progress. Everyone knows that who knows me. Another book uh, for young men, I always say, if you've never read Thoughts for Young Men by J.C. Weil, pick it up. It's meant for you. <laughs> Hans is reading that right now. There you go. And then the other book that uh, Pastor John has mentioned a few times in sermons is A, a Godly Man's Picture by uh, Thomas Watson. I know there are many people in the church who have kind of books they read at least once a year. And one of the things I always emphasize is that, again, um, you're not a slave to those books. Those books are meant to aid and help your own devotion. And so that means when you're re when you're picking things to read, um, make sure it fits your particular schedule. It wouldn't make a lot of sense, for example, if you picked up the Institutes of Christian Religion and just sits on your bookshelf because you're not going to have the time to read it. 
try something else that is more suitable to your schedule that actually aids your prayer and your devotion. Well, we need to wrap this up soon. Do you want to mention uh, family worship? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so important, isn't it, uh, for our our wives and our children that we are regularly opening up the Bible, singing God's praise, and praying with and for one another in the context of our homes. That's right. Uh, this is a, a regular pattern and habit that really we ought to, to cultivate. It used to be more standard in Christian homes. Uh, now, uh, many fathers have never even heard of it and have never experienced it themselves. But it's so important that we, we commit and or recommit ourselves to family worship, gathering together uh, nightly or at least regularly in our homes to sing, to pray, to read scripture, and to bring encouragement. The head of the home bringing this encouragement and instruction to the children, to the family, uh, for the glory of God. And then... um, Finally, uh, evangelism. That's right. Evangelism. We really want to, here today, encourage uh, the members of Christ Church Presbyterian and anybody who's listening in today to recommit themselves to reaching the lost. Our culture has become so polarized. People are being more catechized and instructed by uh, conservative mainline media anchors than they Mm -hmm. are uh, the Word of God and confessions and catechisms, and that is is really sad. And what that has done is it actually has turned the hearts of Christians cold towards non-Christians, mm-hmm. towards those who have a secular worldview, rather than having compassion for them, praying for them, and reaching out to them with the gospel. Um, Gabe, isn't it important that we recommit ourselves to reaching the lost? And this happens both on a global scale in which we support missionaries going overseas. And if you are a member of Christ Church, you know that at the back of your bulletin, you have a list of missionaries and institutions that we support. So one thing that we do in our home, and I know that other families do it as well, is that you pick the missionary of the month. And then you pray for, <clears throat> and then you pray for them uh, throughout your week as you do your family devotions. But then also there is the local aspects of missions. That uh, as we've been said before, uh, God deliberately placed you in your vocation. He gave you your job for a reason, and He plopped you in your particular neighborhood for a reason. And it's not so that you stay away from your neighbors, and it's not so that you stay away from your coworkers. That these are nice opportunities to use what the Lord has given you in terms of the opportunities that you have, the number of times where you run into your neighbors kind of accidentally. Don't just treat that as a mere coincidence. This may be a pathway for you to talk about uh, something related to the gospel or to even just invite them to Christ Church. And so, as we begin the new year at Christ Church Presbyterian, uh, let's all together uh, pray for each other and encourage mm-hmm. one another as it concerns these resolutions, these commitments in the new year, these establishing of new patterns of piety and rhythms of piety uh, for the glory of God and for uh, the strengthening of our own church body. And so may we recommit ourselves to Lord's Day observance, uh, to the gathering together in public worship and and all the activities of the Lord's Day at Christ Church. Uh, let's recommit ourselves to daily time uh, with the Lord in Bible reading and prayer. And let us uh, be recommitting ourselves to uh, to encouraging one another in the Lord and getting together with one another during the week and being intentional about that. And then uh, let's 
being let's recommit ourselves to family worship uh, and also to evangelism and mission. Uh, well, there are so many other things that uh, we could talk about as it concerns New Year's resolutions, and we know that uh, we will never do these things uh, as we ought uh, or as we as we should. But we do give thanks that in Christ, in union with Him forgiven of all of our sins and standing before God shrouded in the righteousness of Jesus Christ and justified that in Christ we have the great privilege uh, to please the Lord with our lives. We've been set free from the dominion of sin and we are now in the dominion of the Spirit and while we still struggle against indwelling sin, we are no longer under the dominion of sin and now called to live a life uh, to glorify God, and what a great blessing and Amen. privilege that is. And so in these various ways, which we know the Bible clearly speaks to us on, let us recommit ourselves uh, to godly piety in the new year. Well, we're so glad that you joined us today. Would you join us next time on Between the Times? 